Wow, what a beautiful weekend it's been, and what a wonderful thing to be here worshiping God together with the community of faith, turning our attention away from ourselves and to the God who is our audience of one as we share these moments together. I'll never forget getting on a plane and starting a long journey home and the feelings I had as I reflected upon what I had just experienced in the last nearly three weeks. I was leaving Accra, Ghana, West Africa, and uh, had been at three week, for three weeks at a place called the Mana Mission. And Mana Mission was a 32-acre compound in the middle of Accra. It had a hospital, had a school, and also had a very vibrant church. I was one of 22 people who were on a mission trip there, and it was a, a very special time. One of our elders, who was a doctor in OBGYN, had helped to found that particular mission there. My schedule there was packed. It was probably more packed than I wish it would be, uh, as I thought about it ahead of time. Every moment it seemed like they had something planned for me to do, and if you've gone on mission trips, you know how this can be, and it's wonderful. I preached at their two services on two Sunday mornings. I taught in their Bible Institute a couple mornings. They had a conference for pastors on, for one week of mornings. I visited people in the hospital. I volunteered in surgery. When my daughter was born, I wasn't able to go in. They wouldn't let people go in yet to be there, so I got to see a birth for the first time, and that was unbelievably exhilarating. I was there because our anesthesia machine that we'd taken over was not working. I was there holding up a woman as they gave her a spinal block for surgery that she desperately needed. I had a chance to watch laparoscopic exploratory surgery uh, with the equipment that we had brought over there. I preached at a couple of large open-air evening gatherings, uh, kind of like rallies in a marketplace. I helped to dedicate a new wing of their school, and we were on national TV and sat next to a member of parliament who was dressed in African garb. I helped to dedicate, I also helped to break ground then for a new wing that we were going to pay for that was, they had an elementary school and we were going to help them build a, a secondary school. I met with and interviewed several of their prospective elders and also many members of their staff to bring them encouragement. I took part in, early, in an early morning naming ceremony. And there when you, a, a naming ceremony is almost like our baptism, where you bring the child early morning and you name them. And I had a chance to hold the child of an associate pastor there as they named him. And we talked and made initial plans for a bright young 18-year-old to come to the United States to receive her college and medical school education. My schedule was so busy that I rarely got off the compound. And I was sorry that I had to leave a couple days early because I was winging my way back to a wedding that I was going to be doing in Indianapolis. As I reminisced on the flights that I was taking from Accra to London and then from London to the United States, I was filled with an unbelievable sense of joy, just like Kurt was talking about. I mean, using the language of football, I felt like I'd left it all on the field. God had taken my meager abilities and had used them in ways beyond my dreams. God had helped me multiply the gifts he had entrusted with me, 
and I felt the master's happiness. I don't know if you remember the old commercial, I won't name the kind of beer it was, but there was an old commercial where they're gathered around, uh, 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 they're on a beach, I think, and gathered around a bonfire, and you remember what they say? It just doesn't get any better than this. Well, that's what I was feeling at that moment. This is what I was created to be and do. If I ask you to give your experiences, and I know many of you could come up here and give experiences every bit as meaningful and every bit as joyful as I just did. Well, and my dear friends, I believe with all of my heart that we have been created by God to be wholeheartedly, completely invested in what God is doing in the world. Furthermore, I would go a step further and say that God has given us, his people, enough gifts to do anything that God wants to do in the world. The problem is never a shortage of gifts, whether those gifts are time, talents, or treasures. The problem is always that we have not discovered, we have not developed, and often we have not dedicated our gifts to God. Far too often, then, we miss the deepest, most profound joy when we don't multiply those gifts and don't share the master's happiness. Jesus is wonderfully passionate when he talks about this subject, this concept of multiplying the gifts in the well-known and powerful parables of Matthew 25. Now, the one that we're going to deal with today, the parable of the talents, is couched between two other very familiar parables. I don't know if you realize that, if you've read Matthew 25 recently. But the first parable is the parable of the virgins. And in the parable of the virgins, it's a story about being ready and prepared when the bridegroom returns, Christ the bridegroom. And then the last parable that takes place in verses 31 through 46 is right after the parable of the talents. And Jesus shares the familiar, often quoted, often used parable of the separation of the sheep and the goats. It's a story about feeding the hungry, giving a drink to the thirsty, offering hospitality to the stranger, clothing the naked, caring for the sick, and visiting the, the prisoner. Jesus said, and as much as you have done it unto the least of these, my brothers, you have done it unto me. Even though it's a long one, I really want us to read this parable together. So if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25 and verses 14 through 30, and then we're going to kind of unpack it together. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, and again, follow along with me if you would, either in your pew Bibles or the Bibles that you brought or uh, on the screen. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. 
The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money to deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has been given will be given more and he with abundance. Whoever does not have even when he ha- what he has will be taken from him. And throw the worthless Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. May God add his understanding, his application, and help us to make it a part of our understanding and application today. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for moments like these when we can share together in worship, where we can come and say that you are the Lord, we're not where we can focus our attention on you, the one who is our master. Now, God, in these moments, as we try to unpack this particular parable, make it come alive in new and fresh ways to each one of us. I pray these things in the name of Jesus, the master, our savior and Lord, amen. Wow, what a beautiful weekend it's been, and what a wonderful thing to be here worshiping God together with the community of faith turning our attention away from ourselves and to the God who is our audience of one as we share these moments together. I'll never forget getting on a plane and starting a long journey home and the feelings I had as I reflected upon what I had just experienced in the last nearly three weeks. I was leaving Accra, Ghana, West Africa, and uh, had been at three week, for three weeks at a place called the Mana Mission. And Mana Mission was a 32-acre compound in the middle of Accra. It had a hospital, had a school, and also had a very vibrant church. I was one of 22 people who were on a mission trip there, and it was a, a very special time. One of our elders, who was a doctor in OBGYN, had helped to found that particular mission there. My schedule there was packed. It was probably more packed than I wish it would be uh, as I thought about it ahead of time. Every moment it seemed like they had something planned for me to do. And if you've gone on mission trips, you know how this can be, and it's wonderful. I preached at their two services on two Sunday mornings. I taught in their Bible Institute a couple mornings. They had a conference for pastors 
on, for one week of mornings. I visited people in the hospital. I volunteered in surgery. When my daughter was born, I wasn't able to go in. They wouldn't let people go in yet to be there. So I got to see a birth for the first time, and that was unbelievably exhilarating. I was there because our anesthesia machine that we'd taken over was not working. I was there holding up a woman as they gave her a spinal block for surgery that she desperately needed. I had a chance to watch laparoscopic exploratory surgery uh, with the equipment that we had brought over there. I preached at a couple of large open-air evening gatherings, uh, kind of like rallies in a marketplace. I helped to dedicate a new wing of their school, and we were on national TV and sat next to a member of parliament who was dressed in African garb. I helped to dedicate, I also helped to break ground then for a new wing that we were going to pay for that was, they had an elementary school and we were going to help them build a, a secondary school. I met with and interviewed several of their prospective elders and also many members of their staff to bring them encouragement. I took part in, early, in an early morning naming ceremony. And there when you, a, a naming ceremony is almost like our baptism where you bring the child early morning and you name them. And I had a chance to hold the child of an associate pastor there as they named him. And we talked and made initial plans for a bright young 18-year-old to come to the United States to receive her college and medical school education. My schedule was so busy that I rarely got off the compound. And I was sorry that I had to leave a couple days early because I was winging my way back to a wedding that I was going to be doing in Indianapolis. As I reminisced on the flights that I was taking from Accra to London and then from London to the United States, I was filled with an unbelievable sense of joy, just like Kurt was talking about. I mean, using the language of football, I felt like I'd left it all on the field. God had taken my meager abilities and had used them in ways beyond my dreams. God had helped me multiply the gifts he had entrusted with me, and I felt the master's happiness. I don't know if you remember the old commercial, I won't name the kind of beer it was, but there was an old commercial where they're gathered around, a, 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 they're on a beach, I think, and gathered around a bonfire, and you remember what they say? It just doesn't get any better than this. Well, that's what I was feeling at that moment. This is what I was created to be and do. If I ask you to give your experiences, and I know many of you could come up here and give experiences every bit as meaningful and every bit as joyful as I just did. Well, and my dear friends, I believe with all of my heart that we have been created by God to be wholeheartedly, completely invested in what God is doing in the world. Furthermore, I would go a step further and say that God has given us, his people, enough gifts to do anything that God wants to do in the world. The problem is never a shortage of gifts, whether those gifts are time, talents, or treasures. The problem is always that we have not discovered, we have not developed, and often we have not dedicated our gifts to God. Far too often, then, we miss the deepest, most profound joy when we don't multiply those gifts and don't share the master's happiness. 
Jesus is wonderfully passionate when he talks about this subject, this concept of multiplying the gifts in the well-known and powerful parables of Matthew 25. Now, the one that we're going to deal with today, the parable of the talents, is couched between two other very familiar parables. I don't know if you realize that if you've read Matthew 25 recently. But the first parable is the parable of the virgins. And in the parable of the virgins, it's a story about being ready and prepared when the bridegroom returns, Christ the bridegroom. And then the last parable that takes place in verses 31 through 46 is right after the parable of the talents. And Jesus shares the familiar, often quoted, often used parable of the separation of the sheep and the goats. It's a story about feeding the hungry, giving a drink to the thirsty, offering hospitality to the stranger, clothing the naked, caring for the sick, and visiting the the prisoner. Jesus said, and as much as you have done it unto the least of these, my brothers, you have done it unto me. Even though it's a long one, I really want us to read this parable together. So if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25 and verses 14 through 30, and then we're going to kind of unpack it together. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, and again, follow along with me if you would, either in your pew Bibles or the Bibles that you brought or uh, on the screen. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Again... It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money to deposit with the bankers. So that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has been given will be given more, and he with abundance. Whoever does not have, even when he ha- what he has will be taken from him. And throw the worthless, th- 
throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. May God add his understanding, his application, and help us to make it a part of our understanding and application today. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for moments like these when we can share together in worship, where we can come and say that you are the Lord, we're not, where we can focus our attention on you, the one who is our master. Now, God, in these moments, as we try to unpack this particular parable, make it come alive in new and fresh ways to each one of us. I pray these things in the name of Jesus, the master, our savior and Lord, amen. It all starts with a man of means who's going on a journey. As was often the custom of the day, the master would go on a journey, and as he did, he would call in his servants, and he would give them some of what he had. Now, interestingly enough, as you probably picked up, a talent is not the talent that we think of today, which is like our our special abilities or that sort of thing. A talent is a measurement. And usually in those days, it was a measurement of silver or gold, Maybe for our cases here, for our situation here, we'll just call it gold. And so so specifically, he gives the first servant five talents or five bags of gold. In his his paraphrase, Eugene Peterson in the message says, he gave him $5,000. The next servant, he gives two bags of gold. And then the last servant, he gives one bag of gold. Now, there's important understandings here if this is going to make sense to us. The master knew his servants. He knew their abilities. He knew which ones would be more industrious. Also, it's important to note that the servants knew exactly what he was asking for. They knew what he expected of them. They were to try to multiply the gold. Servants in that day knew that as an incentive that they would earn not only their wages, but also bonuses and sometimes even property if they were faithful in multiplying that which they had been given. Doubling one's investment was a reasonable minimum return in the ancient economy of that day. Sometimes investments would even be multiplied five or tenfold. When the master returned, and you never knew exactly when the master would return, When the master returned, there was a moment of accountability. You know how we read the the servant with five had five more. He received a commendation from the master. And the master said, now come and experience or share the happiness that I have. The servant with two, same thing, two more. A commendation, share the master's happiness. And then, can't you just see the servant with one after those two stepping up? He makes a statement about the master, which I don't think the master liked very much. And then he said, as was true of many in that day, I buried what you gave me. Now, on that day, they often did bury that which was, uh, whether it was a possession or money, they would bury it and hope they knew where to find it later. Uh, But they would bury it, and then they could go pick it up, and it would be safe. So he gives them back the one. He's afraid to risk. He's been lazy, actually. He's been apathetic. And so the master judges him, taking the one and giving it to the servant who had five. The master, of course, is pleased with the first two servants. He gives them the appropriate bonuses, but judges the third servant. 
The whole part of the, the whole point of the parable is this, and this is important. We must be in a state of readiness for the return of our master. We must be faithful in being invested in multiplying the gifts we've been given so that we share in the master's happiness. My dear friends, I believe that we're called to faithfully multiply the gifts or opportunities which we have been given. Along with other pastors through the years, I've preached often on this particular parable, but I want to take it a little bit different today. If we're going to share the master's happiness, I believe we're called to multiply the gifts we've been given as a church, corporately. In February, did you realize that we're going to celebrate our 30th anniversary of our founding here at ZPC? From the beginnings in that middle school, and I've heard many of you talk about that middle, the, the Zionsville Middle School, this church has had a storied, fantastic history. Unlike very few Presbyterian churches in the country that started from nothing, this church has been wonderful. It's extremely well thought of around the country as well as around the world. We've been richly blessed with wonderful, with wonderful gifts, resources, and opportunities. We have great facilities here. We're at a wonderful location. We have very special people of various ages and generations. We have financial resources to do whatever we really want to do and to be whatever we really want to be for the kingdom. We've just done a mission study for the pastoral search that's going to take place, and we looked at the demographics again. We're in a densely populated area, to be sure, but even with the megachurches that are around us, there are hundreds of thousands of people who do not have a church home. Even though we've lost lots of people over the last few years, it only means that there's room for growth. There are empty chairs, and that means that there's room for people to come and share our life together. People all around us, more than ever, who need to know our Christ and faithfully multiply the gifts that he has given them too. The bottom line for us, according to our mission statement, is that we make disciples and then we release those disciples to go out into a broken world to meet needs and for them to make disciples too. While we must take them seriously, I got a feeling our master isn't going to judge us on our attendance. He isn't going to judge us on our financial figures. He's going to judge us ultimately on our fruitfulness. How many people have we pointed to Jesus and who are now following him? How many people are we serving with a servant's heart in the world where we live? While it's a different season in ZPC's history than in the past, as we go through this time of transition, there are many good things that are happening, many opportunities which are abundant. Lynn alluded to one of them. If you are here on Wednesdays or Fridays, the MOPS group is really growing, and it's a wonderful thing. MOPS is, is mothers of preschoolers, and they're growing, and, and, and it's, it's exciting to see. We have a new group called the Second Half Adventures. Some of you have been a part of that. 
It's a group that has great leadership with lots of enthusiasm for people who are 60 plus. Noah's Ark is bursting at the seams and doing extremely well. If you went into our gymnasium and you can't go into it today because there's a new floor being put down, a floor that we will use for a tool for sports outreach as well as all the other things we use it for. There's a new sign putting to be going to be put up. Now that sign's been in the, 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 you know, the mix for maybe 15 years now, of course, good Presbyterian style, but, uh, but it's gonna go up. And you, if you looked at the south end of our property, we've had some wonderful great banquets this fall where people have been inspired and have grown in their discipleship. We were also instrumental in starting a new great banquet in Las Vegas. If you talked about missions, and again, alluded to the the fall mission trip to uh, Kentucky, almost 50 of our people went to Kentucky families, and there are just lots of people. If I ask you, many of you would say, I've gone on a mission trip recently, both locally and globally. Our food bank, which is the food bank for Boone County, has had tremendous opportunities to feed people, but to feed them not only uh, physically, but to feed them spiritually in a way that is really keeping, it's sharing God's love with them. Vision 2020 is laying out a plan for strategically multiplying the gifts and opportunities that we've been given in a way that is as great as any time in CPC's 30 histories, 30 years of history. Now we can wring our hands in discouragement and we can be fearful as we look at empty chairs and as we look at finances which are below projections and maybe we can be like the, one, the, the servant who brings one bag and we play it safe. Or, with God's help, we can trust in him. And with a sense of joyful abandon, multiply the gifts he has given us in the world where he has placed us at this time in our history. I'm certain of this, that we as a church are a five-bagger. You got that? We're a five-bagger, and there's no getting around it. Are we going to share the master's happiness? With all of my heart, I believe that the best for this church is yet to come. There's a new day coming. Hopefully, within the next few months, we're going to be searching for a new senior pastor. We already have a great staff and a wonderful church family, but God is calling us to be the church at an intersection, not just Michigan Road and and 116th Street, which is a very strategic place, but the intersection of ages, generations, situations in life, the intersection of various kinds of vibrant worship, the intersection of various kinds of, uh, of opportunities where we can reach out in loving service locally and globally to a world that's broken the intersection of creative, exciting opportunities in helping people become disciples who are in a broken world. Are we going to open ourselves up as a church to multiply the gifts that God has given us and to share the master's happiness? Are we going to be and do what God has created us to be and do as a church, totally invested in what God is doing in our body, in our community, and in our world. I have a vision of coming back here in 10 years. 
and you're going to be celebrating, well, maybe it'll be 11 years, but you're celebrating, let's say, the 10th anniversary of, uh, of your new pastor. And uh, I got a feeling that such things as denominational affiliation, facilities, attendance, and finances, somehow I can't focus that in the vision very clearly. I don't know what that's going to be. But what I do have a deep sense about is that there will be joy. It's the joy of investment. It's a joy of sharing in the master's happiness. And I hear several of you saying, as you reflect upon those 10 years, it just doesn't get any better than this. For this vision to come to reality, it means each one of us stepping up and multiplying the different gifts that God has given us individually. What resources and opportunities have you been given? Family, friends, acquaintances, colleagues, neighbors, such things as time, special abilities and gifts, possessions, finances, influences. Are you being faithful with what you have been given? When we look at our place at the world, most of us are five baggers too. Most of us are like the one who was given five. To whom much is given, much is required. As I conclude my words to you this morning and complete this series on the grace of giving, we're going to have the opportunity to tangibly be invested in what God is doing in our world and through ZPC. I'm grateful for this opportunity. I think there are times when we need tangible opportunities, when we're not just talking about theory or kind of out there in space somewhere, but we're talking about something that's tangible. As your interim pastor, I'm certainly concerned about preparing the way for the next person to come, preparing the way so that there are financial resources for the exciting new day ahead when you call that person to serve alongside of you in making disciples and releasing disciples into a broken world. But frankly, even more important than that to me as I think about this is that I'm concerned about each one of you experiencing that sense of joy that comes in the commendation from the master as we share in his happiness. It's the overwhelming joy which comes from multiplying the gifts that God has given us as we are invested, invested in what God is doing. It's that joy that causes us to exclaim without even thinking about it, it just doesn't get any better than this. As we see God use us, see him use our gifts, and we see him take our faithful obedience and make something out of it. You should have received a commitment card in the mail. And uh, if you didn't bring it today and you would like one, there are ushers who would be glad to just raise your hand and they'll give you one. They'll also bring you a pen if you need it. Uh, but if, if you'd like that, just raise your hand right now and they'll give you one. You can also pick up one uh, out at the Welcome Center afterwards. But if there's anyone who needs one, please feel free uh, to, to raise your hand now. And that commitment card will have an opportunity to complete and bring to the Lord today. There are baskets in the front, also baskets in the exits as we leave, and that's a chance for us to prayerfully dedicate 
our commitment to the Lord, dedicate ourselves to the Lord in a new and a fresh way. More than anything, I pray that we're prepared and ready when the master returns and that we will share in the master's happiness. I might mention too, if there are any of you who have particular concerns that you might have brought with you this morning, may have nothing to do with what I've talked about today, might have everything to do with what I've talked about. But if you have concerns and would like to pray with someone, there will be someone over at the cross in the alcove to my right afterwards, and they would consider it a privilege to pray with you. Please join me in prayer. God, I thank you so much for each person here today. And I thank you so much for the way you have blessed us, the way you have placed us in a free country like we're in. On this Veterans Day, as we think of those who gave their lives and who served valiantly so that we might have freedom, we give you thanks. And God, we give you thanks now for the privilege that we have, not a duty, but a privilege of giving back to you and realizing that when we do that, when we invest in what you're doing, when we multiply the gifts that you've entrusted to us, we realize that joy comes out of that. And God, we're grateful for that. So God, I pray that you would help each one of us to do as you call us to do, to be faithful and obedient to you as we look at the year to come. I pray all of these things now in the name of Jesus, the now risen and reigning Lord, the one who is our master. Amen.